Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's some worship service this morning. Thank you, choir. Thank you, praise team. Thank all of you for taking part. And my goodness, um, we could have uh, went on a little longer, I think, doing that. Thank you so much for being part of our worship. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. We looked at part of this chapter uh, last week as we looked at the life of um, Saul of Tarsus. And we, I told you we may go back to it today and look at a person by the name of Ananias. You have two different men, two completely different men. Both were changed in some way or another. And so um, I want us to look at Ananias, an obedient disciple. An obedient disciple. I'll say that one more time. Ananias, an obedient disciple. And we'll look at Acts chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. And I'm going to be reading out the uh, Christian Standard Version this morning, but I believe you'll be able to follow on uh, with your copy of Scripture. Acts chapter 9, let's look at verse 10, 10 through 19. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, To the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Now notice what's happening. Saul is praying and he's praying, and he sees a man by the name of Ananias, and God is speaking, the uh, Lord is speaking to Ananias for him to go to Damascus to meet Saul, and Saul is seeing all of this taking place in a vision. He's seeing this man, Ananias. He just sees him coming. He knows his name. Evidently, God's revealed his name to him. And so God's working all this out in Ananias' life and Saul's life. In verse, uh, verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Ananias went, and he entered the house. He placed his hands on him, on Saul, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we've had to worship you in song, praise songs, hymns, to pray for intercessory prayer, Lord, for those who are hurting today, those who are sick, lost loved ones. And now, Lord, we come to the part of the service where we listen to you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts, speak to my heart, I pray. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today. And Lord, fill each person here with your Holy Spirit that we might see our responsibility as believers 
as we disciple new believers. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time together and at the end and invitation time. Lord, I pray you'll speak to hearts. Those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray they'll come today and trust Jesus and him alone for their salvation. I pray for Christians, for whatever reason, Father, not as close to you as they once were, that today would be a time of renewal, revival in their life. Speak to my heart, I pray. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The question that today's text is leading us to answer is this. Who helped build your faith? As a believer, who helped build your faith? When you profess Christ, who came along beside you and helped build your faith? When you came to faith in Christ, who discipled you? Now, who mentored you? Who was the go-to person? that you depended on to go to when you were struggling with a scripture passage you didn't understand? Who was that go-to person that you went to when you had a question and you needed some advice, a Christian spiritual advice, spiritual advice, godly advice? Someone you'd know would share God's word with you and give you godly advice, a believer. Who did you go to? Who did you turn to? It may have been your parents. I turned to my parents, I was saved when I was 11 years old, and my parents were Christians. I was blessed to have a Christian mother, Christian father. I turned to them, and, and over the years, I, I, turned, I turned to, you may turn to your spouse, you may turn to your pastor. I've had people come to me, and I, I love to talk with people, counsel with people, share God's word with people. You may have went to your pastor, you may have went to a Christian friend. Over the years, I've had some preachers that really were mentors to me. Some I'd never met, but I read their works, and they were just kind of a mentor to me as a young preacher. But I pray also that our church, through our discipleship training over the years, has assisted you in some way to disciple you where you would be growing in Christ. We've attempted to do that. And I made a commitment years and years ago as a pastor of this church, Lord, you know, we'll, we'll not only seek the lost that they may be saved, but we'll also disciple and train and teach those that are saved. And we've tried to do that. 1 Thessalonians chapter seven, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 7 um, says, uh, uh, but we were gentle. Paul said, we were gentle among you. Talking, speaking to new believers. We were gentle among you, just like a nursing mother. Just like a mother cherishes her own children. So as a new believer, the church comes along beside you and we're gentle. We, we're not harsh. We don't want to be harsh with a new Christian. Don't need to be brass with a new Christian. Because they're newborn babes in Christ Jesus. But the question is, who helped parent you like this nursing mother? Who helped, par who helped parent you in your beginning in Christianity? Well, in Acts chapter 9, last week, we saw a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, also known as, as Saul the Pharisee, very cruel person. And he was on his way to Damascus, and he had letters, he had authority from the chief priest, and they were going, he was going to arrest new believers. He was going to arrest followers of Jesus Christ when he got to Damascus. 
But yet, you know the story, a light came from heaven and blinded him on the Damascus road. But he was going to Damascus to persecute, to put to death new believers. But he met Jesus. He met the shining light of heaven. He met, uh, he met the light of glory on his way to Damascus. And, and he was never the same after that. God changed him. So what happens next to Saul? What happens next? Well, uh, what was some of the experiences? What was some of his first experiences that God arranged for this new believer who came to be known as Saul, uh, as Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles? What well, some things that he, God set up for him? Well, this is the first thing that he set up for him to go to Damascus, meet this guy by the name of Ananias. Verse 8 says, we looked at this last week, that Saul, after he's blinded with this light from heaven, he got up, he got up from the ground. Verse 8 says he was blind. He was being led by the hand into Damascus. He was unable to eat and drink for three days. And our text says today from chapter, uh, chapter uh, 9, 10 through 19, he tells us about a guy by the name of Ananias. Ananias who helped build Saul's faith when Saul was a new believer. Now, it was difficult for Ananias, first of all, because he knew the reputation of Saul. But God's called on him to be a discipler of the persecutor of the way. Notice in verse 10. Verse 10 says this in chapter 1, uh, chapter 9, verse 10. Verse 10 says, just introduces him kindly. He says, uh, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. You get that? The language means that there was a follower of God in that city. A follower of God in that city. The language means that he was in close contact with God. He was a follower of God. Close contact. A disciple in that city. Being in close contact with God, he was sensitive enough to receive a word from God. Now listen, think with me just for a moment. He was close to God, he was so close to God, he was so in touch with God that he could receive a word from God. Imagine if God had a word for your life. Imagine if God had a word for your life this week, this past week. This coming week, if God has a specific calling on your life this coming week to invest in someone, to be a disciple to someone, let me ask you this. Are you sensitive enough? Are you quiet enough? Are you discerning enough to even hear God's call on your life? Would you be able to hear God through all the noise of your life? Do you pull away from time to time, get along with God, listen to God, talk to God, seeing what God's next move is on your life? Or are you just busy in the rat race like 90% of the people, perhaps? So first of all, if you're taking notes, Ananias was called by God. He was called by God. Ananias gets this shoulder tap from God. Years ago when I was in the scouts, my dad was a scoutmaster, many of Yes, all, most of you know that. And there's a special organization in scouts called the Order of the Arrow. It was a, it was a special 
It's a unique organization. It, it was really neat to be a part of that organization. And the way they chose you, they, they had your name, and you would meet together at a huge campfire. There may be two or 300 boys there. And then they would walk between the lines of these scouts sitting uh, Indian style on the ground with their, with their legs Indian style crossed. And all of a sudden they would stop and they'd pick you up and they'd they tap three times on your shoulder. You were tout for that special organization. Well, Ananias was kind of tapped out by the Holy Spirit to serve in a special way, to serve God in a special way with Saul of Tarsus. So he gets his shoulder tapped, so to speak, from the Holy Spirit. And Ananias knew instantly that God was speaking to him, not speaking to someone else. You know when God's speaking to you. If you'll listen, he still speaks to those who hear him. And he spoke to Ananias. And Ananias knew instantly that God was speaking to him, and he also knew that some demand was being made on his life. He knew there was something coming from God. Verse 10 says, There is a disciple of Jesus in the city. Ananias was known as a disciple of God. So here's the question. Ask yourself, am I known as a disciple of God? Am I known in this city as a disciple of God? Am I known at school as a disciple of God? Am I known on the job as a disciple of God? Am I known as my, to my neighbors as a disciple of God? Am I known in my family, the country club, the social club, the civic club? Am I known as a disciple of God? 1 Samuel 9, verse 6, servant said about Samuel, he says, there is a man of God in this city. Wow. Just think being referred to as a man of God or a woman of God. Do you know Sammy Taylor? Yeah, he's the man of God that lives right down the street on 85 Metal Drive. Could you be referred to as a man or a woman of God in the city? Ananias was called a disciple. And that was the first introductory words about Ananias. He was introduced not as a banker in the town, not as the businessman in the town or the business lady, not as a, a former D1 athlete in the town. The point is, we'll, we'll associate who we are by what we do. But Ananias is described as a man who followed the Lord. Someone has said, Everything that describes me will pass. Only my identity will Jesus will last. Everything, everything that describes me will pass. Only my identity with Jesus will last. You see, I won't be in heaven because I'm a preacher. And I won't be in heaven because I'm a Baptist. And I won't... I won't be in heaven because I pastored a church. A soldier won't be in heaven because they fought. He or she fought and gave their life for the country. Or you're a great fisherman. You're not going to be in heaven because you're a great fisherman or an outdoorsman or a good old boy or a farmer 
or you never did drugs. You'll be in heaven today or you'll be in hell today for what you do with this person by the name of Jesus Christ. But notice third, God will tell his servant what to do. You see that? Ananias answered and he says, Here am I, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here's the point. Intimacy with God leads to activity with God. Did you know that? Intimacy with God if you're intimate with God, you're going to be active for God. Let that sink in. If we're in a close relationship with God, if we're in a close relationship with Him, He'll show us what He wants us to do. If not, you're going to be wandering around. I wonder what God's will is for my life. I wish I knew what God's will. I'll tell you why you don't know it. You're not intimate with God. He's not out here trying to, fight, to hide his will from you. He wants to show you his will, but it takes an intimate time with him for him to do that. And he says, this is what you do. He says, verse 11, go to the house of a man named Judas. Ask for a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Saul's been praying. He's seen you in a vision. He's expecting you, Ananias. He's seen you coming in a vision. Verse 12, place your hands on him when you find him so he can receive the Holy Spirit. So Ananias was told when to go. Go now. Go now. Ananias was told why he was going. And Ananias was told what to do when he got there. Everything he needed to know. But number four, verses 13 through 14, Ananias wants to confirm what the Lord wants him to do. And, and that's good to do. You want to confirm, you want to make sure this is what God wants you to do. So this man is a dangerous man, and Ananias knew that. I really want to confirm this, God, because you're asking me to go to a guy that's coming to Damascus, and he has paperwork to put people, to put believers in prison, even to put them to death. And you want me to go to him. I just want to make sure that I understand what you want me to do. And you want me to, you want me to go to him. So this was a dangerous man. He persecuted the saints in Jerusalem. He's coming to arrest all the believers there in Damascus. And God said in verse 15, go on, go, go. Don't dilly-dally around. You need to go ahead and go. So Ananias wanted to know if the words that he was hearing were from the Lord. And it's all right to do that. Because, notice verse 15, this man is a chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles and kings and to the Israelites. You need to go. He's a chosen instrument. You need to underline the instrument. God is saying, listen... He will be my mouthpiece to the Gentiles and to the kings and to the Israelites. And so the point is, I want you to be a mentor to him because he's coming to be used of me. I want you to go to him. Go, I want you to go to him because he's going to the whole world. And he says, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, Saul is a chosen instrument to me. It's, it literally means, instrument literally means 
life that is a melody. He's an instrument to me. He is a life that's going to have a melody for me. Life, life in essence, life that is a, life is a, a sweet song or sweet music. He's an instrument. He's a life to me of a sweet song or sweet music. Imagine, try, well, imagine me going over and playing the piano. I have, I don't even know, I know where it is and I know what it is, but that's about it. But can you imagine what our worship service would have been like if I'd played the piano or if I'd played the guitar? I've tried, I've tried the piano, I've tried the guitar, I've tried the harmonica. Nothing works for me. It doesn't. Do I have testimony? Don't raise your hand, Corey. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't work for me. However, the piano and the guitar, those instruments, in the hand of someone who knows how to use them, Kathy and Deb, it's beautiful music. It's, 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 it's so sweet. And God, you see, that piano, that guitar, that instrument in the hands of someone who knows how to use them is so sweet, it's so beautiful. Because, listen, God is the great musician. I'm the instrument. The gospel is the song. And if, if I'm in anybody else's hands, I mean, it's a terrible song. But in God's hands, I'm a beautiful instrument and he can do glorious things in my life. I can be a song for him. I can be a melody for him because I'm in his hands. I'm a special instrument to him. And you as a believer are a special instrument to him. If you're in his hands. He's an instrument to me. So if my life is in God's hands, man, what a beautiful song my life is. What a beautiful song your life is. If your life is not in his hands, you're playing a terrible song right now. Not because I'm a great instrument, but because God is a great musician when I put this instrument in his hands. So put your life in God's hands. And be a song for him. Be a melody for him. Verse 16. He says this. This is kind of, you know, things were going good. And all of a sudden, he, he says, you're going to be a beautiful instrument. You're going to be a melody, a song for me. Verse 16. And I'll show him how much he has to suffer for my namesake. Really? I, I like the beautiful instrument part better. I don't know about you. But that's, that's what he says. So a servant's going to suffer. Whatever you've gone through in the past, that's preparing you for the next stage that God has for you in your life. Number five, taking notes. A servant of God must suffer. Verse 16. Acts 14, 22 says this. It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So the most influential Christian that you'll read about in the New Testament next to Jesus Christ is this person by the name of Paul, Saul of Tarsus, changed to Paul after his conversion. He's going to suffer greatly. So the point is, how can I 
how can I immune myself from pain and suffering? But you see, in my suffering, God shows me who he is. He works in my life in the time of my suffering. Acts 9, verse 17, Ananias is going to lay hands on Saul and take a note, number six, a servant of God is willing to be courageous. I'm about finished. Willing to be courageous. Imagine what people thought. Ananias, I hear he's going to meet Saul of Tarsus. He's going to have a meeting with him. Saul could have just kindly, you know, he could have used Ananias to, to get inside the church. He could have used him uh, to get into the whole church, to subverse the church, to get in there and begin to persecute people. He could, have, he could have done that. But Ananias, he was willing to take a risk. He was willing to be courageous. He displayed his courage. He, he left his comfort zone. He said, I'm leaving this up to God. I'm moving out. I'm going to see this guy. God wants me to do that. To do what, to do what seemed to be dangerous, it was courageous to him. He did what God told him to do. You know, I thank, I thank God for people who are crazy enough to leave their comfort zone and do what they've sensed that God wants them to do. I mean, it's actually crazy to say that you believe in God, but you've never lived by faith. It's crazy to say that you believe in God and you've never been stretched in your life. You've never wrote a check that cost you anything. You never showed up in a ministry that stretched you to the point that you had to do this or had to do that and had to be committed to this or had to be committed to that. You never visited a country where it was a, maybe outside the United States, a country outside the United States, outside your comfort zone. You never gave back to the kingdom by doing that. But you say you have faith. That's crazy. That's crazy. You refuse to study God's word. You refuse to have a quiet time, a prayer time. You refuse to be involved in ministry. You refuse to, uh, you refuse to learn how to share the gospel, to be discipled. You refuse to do all of that, and you say that you have faith? That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy to call yourself a Christian and never do anything great for God. That's crazy. But it's not crazy to say, I'm a Christian and I can't do this if God don't intervene and do it through me. That's not crazy. That's Christian. That's normal. A couple that takes a vacation time and, and goes on a mission trip. That's not crazy. Christian couple. That's, that's normal. Or maybe a Christian couple takes youth on a weekend trip. That's not, that's not crazy. To give up their time to do that, that's, that's normal. Or a young girl who says, I'm, gonna, I'm only going to date a godly guy. A man that has a heart for God. And, and in our relationship... I'm going to insist that it's, it's sexually pure. That's not, that's not crazy. That's, that's normal for a Christian. Our couple says, hey, hey we're, going to, we're going to give up travel ball because it's pulling us away from our spiritual commitments. It's affecting our spiritual walk with God. Is that crazy? Not for a Christian. That's kind of normal. 
somebody that's been wronged and they forgive the person, they refuse to be bitter about it? Is, is that crazy? No, that's normal. That's just a normal Christian life, amen? Is, is it crazy or is it normal to say, I believe, but just don't ask me to do anything? Crazy? Normal. No, it's, it's not crazy to serve the Lord. Ananias placed his hands, he placed his hands on, on Saul in verse 17. Saul, you know, it's interesting. Saul had used his hands to drag Christians to, out of wherever they were located and drag them back to Jerusalem and persecute them, put them to death. And now Ananias opened his hands for God to use on old Saul of Tarsus. In verse 18, all of a sudden the scales fell off of his, fell off of his eyes. And the first person he saw, Saul, first person Saul looked at was Ananias, a Christian brother. You see, Jesus can take a person who destroyed people and change them into a person who builds up people. That's what he did in Saul's life. That's what he did in Ananias' life. Disciples. You see, the Lord Jesus can give new eyes to people. It's what he did for Saul. New eyes. Jesus can help you see your spouse in a new way after you've had years of heartache with each other. Or he can, he can help you see that all the personal skills that you've used for, uh, that you could use for God and, and not just for yourself. He can cause you to see and help you to see the uniqueness of a child that you thought was going to be a football star or a baseball star, but God has given him the hands of son catching a ball, but to play an instrument. And you see that, and, and it's so neat to see him perform and play his instrument. Jesus can let you see that your money is an opportunity to give and not to hoard. Jesus has given us new eyes today with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit where you've thought of things today you've never thought of before. And number seven, God wants to use us to connect new believers to the church. Ananias was a gateway for Paul to be in fellowship with the church. Mature Christians will be the gateway to connect, to connect new believers to the church. With that said, it's our responsibility to be the gateway or to show the way to those who are new believers, followers of Jesus Christ, and connect them to the local church. Regardless how they look, regardless how, what they've done, regardless what color of skin they may have or what nationality they are, if Ananias can direct Saul of Tarsus to the local church in Damascus, who are we to turn away anyone in Phil Campbell, Alabama, seeking to be saved or a place to worship. We can't do it. So what does Saul teach us? God wants everybody to be saved, and anyone can be saved. Ananias, what does he teach us? He teaches us that God wants saved people to help new believers grow. And God puts an Ananias in every new believer's life. Ananias heard, Ananias listened, and Ananias so today, anyone can be saved. If you're here and you're lost, you can be saved today. Nobody is too far gone for the Lord to save. 
Your past prepares you for what God has got for you in the future. So as a believer today, you don't know who you'll be a gateway for, but you're to be a gateway for somebody. Could be another Billy Graham, could be another Apostle Paul. You don't know, but God has someone for you to disciple. Listen to God's call. Be known as a disciple in your community. God will tell you what to do. Confirm what he wants you to do. Be prepared to suffer for Christ's sake. Be courageous and begin to connect new believers to the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity I've had to share this morning. And we can see the difference between the Apostle Paul, Saul, Tarsus, Saul the Pharisee, and how you changed his life to be the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles. We can see Ananias and the difference he made in Saul's life and how he came along beside uh, Saul and, and discipled him, how he was willing to be obedient and do what God wanted him to do. Please help us to see today that you have a call on our life to be a mentor, to be a discipler to someone. Help us, we pray, to find that new believer and help them see them grow in Christ. Thank you again for each person here today. And as the invitation is sung, I pray, Father, that uh, people will come forward in whatever decision they have to be saved, to be a part of this church, to follow the Lord in believers' baptism if they've, if they've never been baptized. Father, I pray they'll come today. Let your Holy Spirit speak to their hearts. Use this time, I pray, Father, in this invitation to move people to come to surrender their lives to you. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Help us to be truthful in what we say, what we sing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're here. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God...